5: Looking to hire? Indeed will help you speed up the process. They have 135 skills tests to help you find the right candidates faster. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Welcome back to the show. It's Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchard, your host out here in Las Vegas. Your other host is in Denver, Colorado, James Salinas. Uh, as we continue with our number two here, James, um, college football playoff to consider a proposal to expand to 12- teams, the 12 team format, uh, includes the six highest ranked conference champions uh, and the six remaining highest ranked teams uh, determined by the college football uh, committee. Uh, So this gets interesting to me, though, because I think it's going to be good for betters. Uh, You talked about this before in terms of more competitive games. I think we'll get that. But I think the competitive landscape will change, too, Uh, if you consider who we see routinely in the playoffs with just four teams. And that's why they are the best recruiting teams in the nation. Whereas if you expand this thing, now teams can sell that to other players or other athletes. Come here and help us win a championship. That was my experience going to Colorado. And I think that will help the competitive landscape and also help out the betting uh, standpoint. Because, look, you're going to have more teams to competitively bet with or are on as opposed to just these elite teams in college football.
6: If they win, though, right? I guess that's where who's even with you thinking about Bama and Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, the the same players year in and year out. I think you got to knock those off, right? I guess is it is that's the sell. If you're selling, come help us. We need you and we, we think you're going to be the guy that's going to be able to help us compete for a national championship and beat some of these bigger teams here. I guess that's that's where the cell is. If that's part of the cell, that's one thing. But you still got to go out and do it. And until Mm -hmm. I see these other these big, these big, you know, the the perennial teams that are there winning these championships like Bama, Clemson, et cetera, Ohio State. When is that going to change? And does this give? I guess if you're thinking about it from a from a game to game standpoint, when you get to the playoffs, absolutely for a better for for a sports better, more competitive games. A lot on lies playoffs, right? Great, we're gonna have. You, we're not gonna have to worry. Like we, you grind through this the bowl schedule, mm-hmm. and so much of the handicap pitch is always all right, does this team want to be there? Does this team have any interest in being there? Do they have aspirations of being a bigger bowl, and this is just a, a, an afterthought now, and, and that's part of the handicap. You get to the football playoff and you have 12 teams, throw that part of the handicap out. These teams are ready to get after it. You're in the playoffs now. So from a sports better perspective, that's a great place to be because you don't have to factor in the mindset of teams. Now it comes down to matchups and those types of X's and O's and and personnel, et cetera. But then I think about the still the big dogs out there, they get the buys, right? And so they're going to get the buys, so these teams get to come in and beat up. I guess thinking about
5: futures-wise,
6: mm-hmm. Pritch probably wouldn't get – this would probably dissuade me from wanting to get involved with any kind of future. I don't typically bet college football futures for national championship anyhow. It's always the same players, and the numbers are pretty short to begin with. Uh, but now it kind of – well, now you're going to have to play at least one additional game that you normally wouldn't have played. One and There's an additional game where you've uh, – an upset, one game, anything can happen as well as injuries within that one game, anything can happen like that. So I think from a future standpoint, this would probably be more more of a detriment for me to want to get involved because of the, the nature of what the playoffs are going to look
5: like. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at it, uh, since 2014, I mean, Alabama's been in every single playoff, uh, just four teams almost. I mean, they've been in six. Clemson, same thing, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. I mean, it's ridiculous. Oklahoma, Ohio State. I mean, Notre Dame, too, I mean, uh, it's like the same team. So from a recruiting standpoint, uh, that's the selling standpoint. Okay, we can get you to the playoff, and then also we can get you to uh, the National Football League. Whereas, you know, other teams, if you open it up to 12 teams, here's that's what they're talking about at least. Um, I, I think you have to schedule stronger if you're a school, uh, meaning, okay, you have to impress the college football playoff committee uh, with your schedule uh, if you're not going to win the conference. Therefore, you can entice these athletes and say, look, if you help us here, uh, which again, this is my story, Uh, Colorado wasn't even on a radar for a lot of people, but yet they had a collection of great players to sign on the dotted line of play there. And then four years later, we won a national championship. So um, I guess I'm speaking from my own experience in terms of I, I think this can help by expanding the playoff. I think it can help the competitive landscape. So the road to the college football playoff, it can be more competitive and therefore more attractive uh, for betting as well. So I I was just looking at it from that angle. Uh, We'll see. I mean, it's a couple years away, but we'll see for sure. It's betting across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, your host from Las Vegas. Your other host is James Salinas from Denver, Colorado. James, we got two NBA playoff games uh, to talk about here, Uh, Philadelphia 76ers and the Atlanta Hawks. Um, Right now, this game with Atlanta at home, they're plus 105, 224.5 is the total. Uh, Are you participating from a game standpoint? We have some player props, too, uh, that at least I'm interested in with this game.
6: I didn't get involved in this series on either side. Part of the issue was going to be Embiid for sure. What Mm -hmm. was his status going to be with his meniscus? That can flare up and swell up at any time. Now he's been absolutely dominant the first two games in this series, and Atlanta has no answer. That's what I want to see: is what what is the answer going to be for Embiid? Because they've been uh, he doesn't Embiid's not one that always just plays through the post, right? It's not just go down. Establish yourself in the middle of the paint or on that block, and and the biggest, biggest, strongest, baddest player out there on the court—that is Embiid. But that's not always the game plan for him to to post up. He will stretch out. He will at times catch the ball out there beyond the three, and he likes to launch those up sometimes too. And and a lot of sets for him are going to be on that elbow or that foul line extended play for him. I want to see what is Atlanta going to do here because that's where you're looking at these player props for for in this case for Embiid sitting at 32 and a half points. Now he had went for 40 last game, but he shot 30, I think he shot 31 free throws in the first two games. Right. So he's getting whatever he wants, but they were also in Philadelphia in those two games too, Pritch. So yeah, sometimes is there the uh, the home court whistle sometimes for those teams and in particular for a player like him because he is so big and and he does like to uh, accentuate the calls sometimes throw his hands out and throw his arms out and flail around. I've never seen a big dude as on the ground and on the floor as much as I've ever seen big dude like Embiid. <laughs> uh, so so I want to see where it comes. I think th- you've had a couple days for Atlanta to be able to prepare. I know Hunter not being there is really big, but he wasn't really going to have an impact on Embiid. I think you're going to have to see some fronts. I think you're going to have to see some denies. You're going to have uh, plenty of double teams in the post to get Embiid because you can't just let him work and do his thing down there, whether he's getting to the foul line, getting your bigs in, trouble, in foul trouble, and or being able to score at will at you inside the paint. So I would look to say Embiid under 30 32.5 points here for this game tonight with Atlanta shifting, the series shifting back home. Have to have some kind of some kind of game plan to to defend him. And then the other piece, too, the X Factor with him, Pritch, that knee, right. and that can flare up at any time and maybe some limited minutes. You never know when that's going to happen. Right? I still suspect it's going to happen at some point in the series. Maybe it's tonight. I don't want to bet him over because of that as well.
5: Yeah, he's averaging about 28 minutes uh, uh, so far in this series or through the playoffs for sure, and then 29 points. Uh, you mentioned his prop 32 and a half. I have been impressed, though, with the fact that he's able to pl- uh, play through that pain uh, in that knee right there. Uh, and they need him to go off, too, because, I, I mean, you look at Harris, he's at 20 and a half points. Uh, you know, can he go off? Can he have that moment on the road uh, in the playoffs against Atlanta uh, to kind of support that, too? Ten and a half rebounds, two for Embiid uh, looks lofty, but yet obtainable. Uh, seven and a half rebounds for Harris.
6: Thinking about Harris and Tobias Harris here, that was the that was the key matchup for me. Looking when I was breaking down the series, and we knew Embiid's knee was going to be a factor. Didn't want to get involved with the series price because of that. It was really going to be game to game for me. But then Harris, and it was going to be the matchup with DeAndre Hunter. And Hunter is a terrific ball defender, great athlete, size, length, at great footwork, competitiveness as well, and can make you work on the offense on your on your defensive end as well because he's he's pretty gifted offensively but because he is out he's out he missed he's out for the rest of the season he had knee injury and and mm-hmm. had surgery mid season came back for the last series came back towards the latter part of the season i thought that was going to be a great matchup to really get out there and potentially frustrate Harris because he is such a a terrific defender but now with him not there maybe this is where if those double teams and we're going to see something out of coach McMillan they're not going to just have the same defensive game plan which a lot of it was a lot of one-on-one and they switched a lot on Embiid as well on the perimeter Uh, hopefully more denial and more double teams coming his way through the post that is going to free up opportunities for somebody like Harris as well as Curry. Simmons has been the one that hasn't really been a factor in the series as far as a scoring standpoint. I think he's putting a lot of energy having to try to do his best to contain Young yeah. when they assign him to Trey Young on that side. So maybe the Simmons under here as well at 13 and a half. But maybe this is the game where Harris has to step up. They're going to need him to step up because I just don't think it Maybe those are correlated, Pritch. If Embiid's not going to get his at 32 and a half, which I suspect that should be the game. Should be the game plan for Atlanta going in. Take away as many touches as you can from Embiid. Who's the benefit of that? And I think it's either Curry from the outside mm-hmm. and or Harris because there's no Hunter out there. I'd probably be leading more so to Tobias Harris being able to have a big game tonight.
5: Yeah, you know James Harris is averaging uh, 34 points a game. I he's 34 minutes a game in terms of through the playoffs, right? And, and so... Uh, you would think his production would go up. Uh, they need him to uh, for that production to go up for sure. Uh, as Embiid and his minutes are decreasing, I mean, Curry has more minutes uh, per game uh, in the playoffs than Embiid does right now, certainly because of the injury. Uh, so you would look for those two players in particular, like you mentioned, uh, to be able to step up their game. And, and so, I mean, from a prop player prop standpoint, though, 14 and a half points uh, when Curry's averaging 17 points in the playoffs right now, It seems like I could go over on that one. But yet, again, it's on the road, it's Atlanta, uh, and they have other things to deal with uh, defensively as well.
6: My concern with Curry is it's going to be perimeter and right. for the most part he 's not going to be one that really drives so he if those double teams come will he, he probably will have those extra sh- those open shots if they pass up the good shot for the great shot he will be open on that opposite side on the on the we'll just call it the help side a lot of people talked about weak side we never use that word and when we 're talking about <laughs> any kind of coaching acumen fridge. we never use the word weak so from the the help side here I think he'll have opportunities to shoot the basketball do I want to trust somebody to get those shots and knock those shots down from the perimeter. Now, Curry's been around. And he has the confidence to do that. I think I'd be more inclined, again, with Harris because Harris, not only from shooting the basketball, but he can post and he will drive the basketball as well because Hunter is not there. I just think that that's kind of the one thing not being talked about is DeAndre Hunter not being, but mainly because Hunter was out for uh, most of the midseason through the latter part of the season, not there for the Hawks, but he really was a key for me in, in trying to assess could Atlanta knock off Philadelphia in the series because of it. Embiid's knee, and no Harris there, or uh, on Harris locking him down. But because he's not there, I think this is the game for Harris because he's going to get opportunities. I'd be more inclined to lean towards Harris with his point total over rather than Curry, who's really such a, a perimeter-oriented player.
5: Okay, looking at the other side with Atlanta, uh, we got 224.5 as a total in this one, James. Uh, first game uh, went over, second game went under. Atlanta ATL back home, Trey Young sitting at 27 and a half points from a prop standpoint.
6: He's going to he's going to take his shots tonight, you know oh, yeah. he's going to. And I <laughs> I think what I've been impressed with the, for the first couple games here with Atlanta is they the the way they spread the floor and share the basketball. Mm-hmm. This team really is unselfish. And Trey, yeah, Trey's going to take his shots, but he's also one that is going to, he, he's going to draw defenders. They've got a lot of lobs when he's getting into that paint, right, around curling off of that that high ball screen and getting down the lane and uh, having to force, in this case, a lot of times, Embiid to have to come up and step up and stop the ball. Not the most fleet of foot out there is Embiid, especially with the bad wheel. And we've seen a lot of lobs, both to Capella, uh, also with, with um, uh, Collins as well getting. Right some of the feeds to, to slam those in. I was looking down the list here. Probably stay away from Young because it's it's a tough matchup, especially if we're going to see more of an assignment with Simmons on him and the length that he has out there on the perimeter. Uh, maybe some more opportunities for somebody like Collins to step up tonight, and John Collins is sitting at 14 and a half. Both uh, both his point total and his rebound total. I'd, I'd be looking for Collins to have to have a big game at home for the Hawks because it can't all be Trey Young with the the defensive assignment that's going to be put at him uh, with Philadelphia on that other side with uh, with Simmons having to defend him a lot of times. I think Collins is probably the where I'm looking at if we're looking at player props here for, for the Hawks. Pritch, I'm looking at Collins to have a good game tonight, sitting at 14.5 points correlated with the rebounds at 7.5. I like Collins over on both of those totals.
5: All right. Yeah, I was looking at Capella a little bit, but um, I can't trust Gallinari at all. Uh Collins, uh, I agree with you on that one, certainly. Bogdanovich, too, though. I mean, 17 and a half points. Uh, if they do shut down Trey, which I don't think they'll shut him down, but control him a little bit uh, defensively, we get a low-scoring game. Perhaps that's why I mentioned that total, 224 and a half right now. I mean, if they neutralize Trey Young, um, you know, on the other side, too, lack of production outside of Embiid, uh, maybe that under is in play here a little bit.
6: It's So much of it is pace. I think for the for the total, I won't get involved. If I get involved, it's going to be in-game. So much for Atlanta that, like I said, I love how they share the ball, space the floor, and, and pass the good shot for the great shot. Then it comes down to knocking him down. Now, Bogdanovich was really a key for me offensively. We talked about it prior to the series. Like, he had to shoot. He he did not shoot well against the Knicks and had a lot of open attempts, a lot of open looks for Bogdanovich in that first series. Did not shoot the ball well, 30% or so, 33% from the floor, from from beyond the arc for Bogdanovich. Now, he shot the ball pretty well in these first two games in Philadelphia that's where I just totals for me are tricky. When you're talking about a team that they want to play with pace, do the Hawks, but then they become really a perimeter team. If they're knocking down those threes and they will be in the comforts and the confines of their own home court tonight. So more confidence coming that way here and more urgency for, for a Hawks team, knowing they want to, you you got the split that you wanted. You lose the split and the split Mm -hmm. means nothing. If you lose this game three tonight at home with Atlanta. So uh, I'm looking at that total. I mean, I, It's sitting at 224 and a half now, so that's ticking up. Pritch, more money coming in on this side. I'd probably be more inclined to play the under, but I probably won't get involved only through the game. so I want to see the pace of play.
5: Okay, Uh, Denver, the place to be tonight, Uh, Phoenix in town. Uh, James, the Nuggets. Uh, Here we go, the Nuggets laying two uh, at Ball Arena. Um, 223 is the total. Uh, Your thoughts on that game before we get into these player props. Uh, Interesting uh, uh, player props for this matchup.
6: Nuggets sitting here pretty much one and a half at a number of shops here too. bet MGM as well. It's one and a half out here in Denver Bridge totals 222 and a half. I-, I think if I was going to uh, I mean, I've, I've vested myself. I have, I have sons in six and mm-hmm. sons in seven in this series. So I need a win out of the nuggets. If I get a win out of the nuggets, I'll feel better about where I'm at, but seeing how they performed, especially in game two, in particular, the second half for the Nuggets, where you know, Michael Malone, Coach Michael Malone, calling him out, calling him soft, calling him that they quit, and some of them did. And you saw Barton, who hadn't played in nearly two months, Will Barton coming off the injured list and playing 15, 16 minutes, minute restriction. He was their toughest-minded player out there. That's what I didn't like to see out of the Nuggets. It's one thing you're going go to go into Phoenix and lose those first two games, and they definitely feed off that crowd there in for, for the Suns, especially offensively. They, they really feed off that crowd gets them going. A lot of confidence here. Coming now back to Denver, how does Denver respond? That's it. We're talking in between. We can talk about the matchups, the X's and O's out there on the court, but I think for Michael Malone, it's not about the matchups on the floor. It was what's between the ears for all of his players right now, not only up here uh, mentally, but also what's in the, what What heart are we going to see from this Nuggets team out on the floor? I think we'll see an inspired effort out of Denver tonight. Okay. I think that was called them out that way, and there's you got Barton back on the floor, and not that Barton Is going to be the one that leads him to go win this game but he's got some dog in him and you saw that fight and it's like all right this guy hasn't played in two months and he's going to come out and give better effort than most of you out here on this court this is still a scrappy team it's a gritty team have the the nuggets have been through the all the adversity with the injuries in particular for murray being out and the number of other injuries that they've had to suffer i'm looking at the nuggets here i was looking at them first half and it was actually the first half pritch is two and a half in favor of the nuggets mm-hmm. when the game's sitting at one and a half so I don't want to lay first half more than what the game is I think I'm a, I probably will get involved I want to see where this number goes I won't lay the one and a half the money line is sitting at a dollar 20 more inclined just to bet the 120 uh when the game not that it's just one point win by one win by two but I'll just lay the dollar 20 here I think we'll see an inspired effort out of the nuggets tonight and Phoenix coming in feeling good about themselves maybe feeling a little too good about themselves about uh, you know top Talking about sweeps and all these other things going out here. Denver's got some spirit in them. It's a gritty team. They got some heart. I think they bounce back. I'll lay the 120 for them to win the
5: game out. You know, James, not only heart and spirit. I mean, they got fouls to give, too. I mean, they can free up Jokic if you want. Uh, certainly, from an offensive standpoint, 28 and a half points. Uh, are there for his prop 11 and a half rebounds to Porter Jr., which I don't think you can rely on the guy uh, from, from you know, look. He can shoot it, and that's what he wants to do from the outside, but is he going to go down low? Is he going to post up? No. But 18 and a half points uh, there. Gordon, who's calling out his teammates, I mean, he needs to step up too, James. 11 and a half points for his prop.
6: Calling out his teammates, he wasn't on this team, but, but two months ago, right. yeah, that really, uh, that that's where it, you know, the dynamic of this team is a little different. And Murray really was the dog of the playoff alpha for them last year, and he's on the sideline, but he can always hoop and holler all he wants on the sideline. still got to go out and perform. I think for for looking at these numbers here, I don't want anything to do with Michael Porter Jr. Offensively, okay. yeah, it's hit and miss from the outside. He he doesn't have good handles, so he can't put the ball on the floor. He can't put it on the deck and get to the rim. He doesn't. He's not. Not a good ball handler, so it's going to be catch and shoot. But where he gets lost is on the defensive side, and it absolutely drives coach Malone crazy because he has no defensive awareness whatsoever. He is a ball watcher. We call it a magnet. The ball's a magnet for him defensively, and he's constantly staring at the ball. He's nodding. His footwork's bad. He's usually closed off to his man staring at the basketball, and it drives Malone Jr. or Michael Malone crazy. So a lot of times you'll see him pull out, not because Porter isn't shooting the ball or doesn't have the capacity to do it. It's because of his defensive end. He's He's such a liability out there, and I think what we've seen for the Suns being able to get any shot wherever they wanted if you're going to challenge your team and it's going to start with the, some effort and some heart and some intensity it starts on the defensive end and that's what Porta Jr. does not give this Nuggets team so I wouldn't want to bet that total for him not mm-hmm. over if anything I'd be looking to play the under because I wonder if we're going to see some limited minutes plus the other fact that he did hurt I don't know did he re-aggravate his back was it his back was it his heart I don't know but he he uh, came out with a rapid halftime in that second half in that game two loss to the Suns he has had back injuries before it's been an issue maybe that's an issue here I'd be looking to play Porter jr. under his 18 and a half points tonight
5: okay yeah I think his back uh, flared up on him I know he got that treatment he was questionable at some point trying to grit through it I guess Uh, we'll see what happens though I like that underplay too uh, on Porter jr. up next uh, we're gonna state our case Uh, we can't in Nevada and Colorado because we're not represented uh, in this uh, category when it comes to odds uh, to win the Super Bowl in the National Football League that's next
3: I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times.
1: With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist, season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever.
5: With the Triple Crown Series at an end for 2021, the Ron Flatter Racing Pod looks back and looks ahead at Times Irreverent. Tim Wilkin of the Albany Times Union reflects on five weeks in Louisville, Baltimore, and New York. Trainer Wesley Ward looks ahead to next week when he sends a string of horses to England for Royal Ascot. The Ron Flatter Racing Pod is available now at vcin.com podcast or wherever you get your podcast, and it's sponsored by First Bet. Welcome back to the program. It's Betting Across America, and we are presented by Bet MGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you uh, today. James, so this is a chance we get to state our case uh, when it comes to which state will win the Super Bowl. Uh, I can't in Nevada because uh, the odds for the Raiders to win the Super Bowl, I'm not even going to go over it. And then the Broncos, I don't know if you have a case uh, in terms of the Broncos winning the Super Bowl. Uh, so let's, we, we can bet on this. Which state uh, can state their case when it comes to winning the Super Bowl? Uh, Florida, they have the Bucs, Dolphins, and the Jaguars. You're plus 450 on this list.
6: So you gotta, I think you gotta look at it two ways. If you're thinking about the state, okay, well, that gives us three teams, but then let's be realistic about. Do we think all three teams have a, have a shot to win the Super Bowl? Get to the Super Bowl, let alone win the Super Bowl. So let's go to the last one on the list. Jaguars? Can we just completely erase that one off this list? You know the Jaguars are not going to get to the Super Bowl and win it. Yeah, and all I all don't suspect it. <laughs> <laughs> It's all about the Bucks. But if you're looking at this here, I don't like. Yeah, I don't like the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl either. So that tells you Florida, if the state of Florida is plus four fifty, but you go shop around and you find a Bucks right now, you can find Bucks plus six fifty plus. Plus seven dollars, your better bet is to go take the bucks plus 650 or plus seven dollars as opposed to the bet in the state of Florida.
5: OK? How about Ohio? The Cleveland Browns? I mean, that would be the bet. 1350 right there.
6: Oh, can you? What can you find the Browns at? I can find the Browns at a sixteen hundred. So, if you can find the Browns at sixteen hundred, do you do you think that that Joe Burrow is going to come in? Number one, I I think they're going to be very. Uh, if they're ta- they're talking about Joe Burrow coming in and playing week one, I think that's uh, they're malpractice. they having that young kid come <laughs> back so early. If in fact that's the case because of that injury and how brutal that surgery was for him, uh, that the Bengals are not a shot to make the Super Bowl. So yeah, could could the Browns be? I, I, I you know especially coming out of the. AFC mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of t- a lot of good teams in the AFC but you don't have the bucks in the AFC and and I think from that standpoint here yeah could it be Ohio sure at plus 3 1350 because strictly it's just the browns but if you can find the browns at plus 1600 your better bets on the browns take all the right. better price
5: i uh, see that's the information that we need to know right there james uh california uh, i mean they got the rams the 49ers and the chargers this would be all about the rams Uh, Stafford, Stafford to quarterback, and then certainly uh, that potent defense that they have—they're plus five hundred.
6: Yep, yeah, in the NFC, you got to deal with the Bucs. But, yeah, mm-hmm. as far as San Francisco, staying healthy will be key. Okay. Already had a couple of injuries in so their maybe training two teams right now. So, so you have two teams. It's plus 500. God, let's just throw the Chargers out. The Chargers still have some. We like Herbert, but still a lot of things to do there with, with the Los Angeles Chargers. But thinking about that you're getting plus 500 with the two teams, are you willing to make another, uh, two bets? Because if you're willing to make two bets, I'd rather put my two bets. You can get San Francisco plus 1,200 and or the Rams plus 1,200. So if you like both of them, maybe you do two bets there, and you obviously can't win both because not both of them can get to the Super Bowl and, and win it, obviously, through especially on the same conference here. But you're going to get yourself plus, if one of them does hit it, now you're getting plus 1,100 back as opposed to plus the 500 if you did it for the state of California. So I think that number right there, mm-hmm. like the Rams and the 49ers, definitely are, their odds are shorter here at plus for the state of California at plus 500 but i i'll scratch the charges out and if uh, i'd have to sacrifice two bets so you got to be willing to make two bets here but i'd rather do the two bets on san francisco and los angeles separately at both plus twelve
5: hundred. right give yourself a chance i can't believe okay the, the state of texas i mean okay cowboys and texans but yet nevada <laughs> with the raiders and in colorado with the broncos i mean any numbers could you find any numbers uh any situation for the broncos to win the super bowl
6: for the Broncos to win the Super Bowl. It'd have to be uh, Mr. Rogers would have to find a new neighborhood right down the street from me at Mile High. That'd be the only way the Broncos win the Super Bowl. Like what they've done. I, like, I love what Denver's done defensively, especially on the back end. We know that Vic Fangio likes to work from the secondary forward, and he's got a formidable secondary, which is going right. to help that pass rush. We'll see what we'll get out of Vaughn Miller. But as far as the quarterback position, I think it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater to, to uh, that wins that competition. But is Teddy Bridgewater somebody that you think is going to lead you to win the Super Bowl? Nah, it'd have to be Aaron yeah. Rodgers. So, no shot for me. No shot for the Broncos without Aaron Rodgers to win the Super Bowl with Teddy Bridgewater. And I like Bridge I like. I like. I like Teddy B. And I love Teddy Two Gloves, but not to win a Super
5: Bowl. Yeah, I wonder what the the odds would be. Uh, for either the Raiders. What's going to happen first? The Raiders to win the Super Bowl or for Vegas to host the Super Bowl or Nevada uh, to host the Super Bowl. I wonder what those are. Host. Host. Up next, uh, Ben Fox, our VP of Digital Content. He's on the program. Come up next. We have a new feature on vcin.com. Every day we're posting the latest betting splits on every game in major sports with current odds and what percentage of bets and money are being placed on each game. Check this info daily to find out which games are seeing the most tickets written and if that matches the money coming in on those games, which is sure to give you a betting edge. And, of course, we have all the odds, data, and analysis for every game as well. Start your next sports bet at vcin.com. Welcome back to the program, it's Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM, Mike Pritchard. James Salinas with you right now, uh, efforting our VP of, of Digital Content, Ben Fox. Uh, James, some of this data, because you have this legalized It uh, shirt on uh, from the Visa and store, uh, and we're seeing states, we're getting more and more information about states. How about, how impressive is this to you in terms of the betting handle through uh, April 2021? New Jersey uh, leading the way, 748 million. Illinois comes in second at 537 million from a betting handle. I think for Illinois, they and Ben
6: would know better than I would with this, but I, I think they started, they've have mobile betting. I think mobile betting is the yeah. biggest factor with all these. And I think for, obviously for Jersey, the proximity to New York city that, that I know they're starting to come on, but it's very minimal. I'm not even sure what the specifics are for New York, but they, New Jersey came on far before New York did. And they were able to capitalize on a lot of New Yorkers cross over, <laughs> go through the tunnel or get over the bridge. And you're in the, you're in the state of New York and you can just cross over. And I not, I have friends out there that have done that and crossed over the bridge and jump on their mobile phone and do it. So mobile is the biggest key. I can speak directly to Colorado, Pritch. And thinking about Colorado, mm-hmm. the the fact that we have so many operators out here, it is it they did it right. So it was a, it's a better's market out here in Colorado for sure. So they were very intentional. where the lawmakers when they put this out there? They had been working on it for a couple years. We, as far as Colorado is concerned, it was legalized last year, May first, 2020. And what they did was, from the legislature's standpoint, knowing full well that you want to make it a betters market, so there's options. The only brick-and-mortar places you can actually go in person and place a bet up the hill for me about 30, 35 minutes away up in Blackhawk in yep. Central City and or Cripple Creek. You know that. Oh, but yeah. aside from that, because we have the comforts of being able to be at home, put these places in, whether it's on my computer or on my phone, and the Denver market continues to grow, and I think also because the we have all the major sports here uh, we're just going to continue to see it skyrocket here in Colorado.
5: Yeah, we have him now. Our VP of digital content, Ben Fox. Uh, ben, we were just talking about uh, the betting handle through April uh, 2021 and looking at Illinois. And James was you know, describing the impact of uh, mobile betting.
8: Yeah, fear not, guys. I'm here. You know, technology <laughs> failed us, but we we made it through. Um, you know, I think it's always interesting, right? We focus so much on the day-to-day, game-to-game, you know, line movement and all that. It's good to sometimes kind of take a step back and look at the overall marketplace. And this was an interesting one in April. Uh, now, with all the numbers coming in, Illinois moving to the number two uh, market in terms of handle with $537 million behind New Jersey at 748. Uh, New Jersey has kind of established itself now as the highest handle Uh, market, obviously kind of taking over for Nevada uh, pre-2018 when Nevada was the only legal market. And we really now have seen the top five established in the marketplace of New Jersey, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Michigan. Those really have been the top five for the last couple months. Uh, Illinois now over $400 million in seven straight months. So we've seen the maturity of that market, as you guys were talking about with online betting as well. Uh, I think we're probably going to see those five right now be the the top five in the market uh, going forward for a little bit. But always interesting to kind of see how all these states line up. And again, no surprises you're talking about. They all have mobile betting.
6: Ben, so give us the numbers. Where are we at as far as how many states in the union do we have that have legalized betting now that PASPA was rescinded a few years back? We have more states on board than we do that aren't on there. We continue to have more and more states getting engaged and pushing things through the legislature, at least lawmakers even starting to contemplate these things. Where are we at now currently? How many states do we have that are legal and how many more states are getting ready to come on board here soon?
8: Yeah, I think it's like uh, when I was looking at colleges, I think it was Vermont, they said, if you don't like the weather, wait 20 minutes. Well, if you're not sure how many states are legalized, maybe wait an hour or a couple days, because it seems to be changing pretty rapidly here. Uh, we have 21 states now that have taken a legal sports bet, and we're right around 30, 31 states that are have legal sports betting, uh, again, including Florida, which there are probably going to be some legal challenges to that. Uh, There's always kind of a long time between when sports betting is legalized and when they actually are taking the bets. Uh, We've seen in Louisiana they're now just waiting on the governor's signature. Looks like they'll be up and running with sports betting legal before football, so that will be another one. Uh, And Ohio as well, which is kind of now surrounded with sports betting uh, states where sports betting is legal. They're expected to vote on a bill next week. They've had a bunch of uh, bills put forth. Uh, Again, Ohio a big population state. That would be another potential one. But right now we have eight or nine states that are legal but not operational yet, uh, including Washington, D.C. So a a ton of uh, action, and we'll see more and more states come online here shortly.
5: You know, Ben, I realized uh, every time we have you on the program, uh, we go over this information and you're loaded with the information you track this, but uh, I don't think I've ever asked you for advice. Uh, Do you have any advice for betters at this point?
8: So, you know, there's always I I don't have that much advice to give, right? I'm a a news reporter. I'm not a handicapper, (laughs) but I've been always looking, always looking at this and I'll leave it to you and James certainly to tack on, but we're seeing in every single state, the hold, basically the amount of money the sports folks win from bettors on parlays is at least three times the amount of that they're winning on these individual sports, whether that's basketball, baseball. The bets tend to be grouped by sport. Uh, Football, again, is NFL plus college football. But there's generally a hold of 5%, 6%, 7%, somewhere in there. Parlays are 16%, 17%, in some cases 20%. So just be careful when you get those parlays, you know, make it maybe two teams, not three, three teams, not four, and don't have those large sums of money with there. Uh, And the other thing is NBA in-game. I think especially as we've seen in the playoffs, one team gets up big, you can bet potentially the other team in a much better number than you get pre-game. I think, you know, it's it's good to make a bet potentially before the game, but it's also always good to have kind of a plan in-game to see, maybe to take advantage
5: of some opportunities there as well. See, now I thought that was sound advice right there. Uh, ben Fox, our VP of digital content. Ben, enjoy the weekend. Thanks again for your time today. Thanks, fellas. Absolutely. There he goes. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, B Fox uh, 22 great follow uh, on Twitter. Uh, sound advice right there from uh, Ben Fox. That goes my uh, parlay party, though that I typically have uh, leading into the National Football League because I love to play the parlays. And I I think we're not going to avoid that, the parlay crew. Uh, But keep in mind uh, the hold, uh, as Ben was pointing out right there when it comes to betting. Up next on the program, our final leans and picks. That's coming up next.
3: I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times.
1: With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or
7: wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife...
5: Discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up today and place a $1 wager on any Euro 2020 match. And if either team scores a goal in that match, you'll win $100 regardless of your bet's outcome. Simply use bonus code VSIN100 when you place your first bet. It's a new customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be at least 21. Located in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan. New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Washington DC or West Virginia excludes Michigan. Dissociated persons please gamble responsibly. If you feel you have a problem, it's 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado, Nevada, Virginia or West Virginia or Washington DC, uh, 1-800-270-7117 for help. In Michigan, 1-800-gambler. In New Jersey, Pennsylvania, 1-800-bets off in Iowa and Tennessee call or text the red line 800 800- 889 9789. In Indiana, it's 1 800 9 with it. Promotional offer not unavailable in Nevada. Welcome back to the program. It's Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you today. Uh, James, uh, final leans and picks uh, here as we approach the weekend. Uh, we got two games here for the NBA. Uh, we've talked about it from a player prop standpoint, Philly uh, and Atlanta. Uh, you know, just from a betting standpoint, as Atlanta uh, is catching a point and a half at home, uh, 224 and a half to total, uh, Atlanta, number two, just felt, in game number two, felt content. Uh, so this is a young team. Uh, okay, going into game three, uh, look, you got to get this one on your home court for sure. Uh, are they ready for this? Uh, and are you betting on this game in any way?
6: I think if I bet this game, it's going to be in game due to the. Embed's the, the big X factor, right? We know what how's that can, that knee could flare up on him at any point in time uh, and the other side too it's it's really a shame that deandre hunter is not going to be out there for the the hawks in this playoff series and through the remainder of the playoffs however far this stretches out for atlanta but what we've seen at atlanta is this it, you said it's a young team Pritch, but mm-hmm. young the the youth doesn't know that maybe they're 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 too young to know that they shouldn't be doing what they're doing right now and i think they're there it's a talented team it's a confident team and there's some swag to. Him. I think Trey Young brings not only the confidence, brings some swag to the court, and, and his teammates feed off of that. And. They're very unselfish team. I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've really appreciated about watching the Hawks play in these playoffs and also the two games that they were able to split in Philadelphia is the fact that they will pass the good shot for the great shot. And it's not all about, well, I need my touches and I need my numbers. And Trey Young is going to set the tone for that. Now he's going to take his shots, and he knows when he needs to carry the scoring load uh, depending on uh, – he really it, – it's for Trey Young, it's going to be dependent upon how are they defending. Him And yeah, sometimes shot selection when you're shooting the ball from 35 feet beyond, you know, 10 feet beyond the arc beyond the three point line, which we've seen uh, only certain players do that. We can think of Steph Curry as one that as soon as he crosses half court, he's ready to fire it. And Dame learns another one. And I think Trey Young is starting to put himself in that in that mind frame where he's confident enough to shoot that now. Should he be doing that? Probably not. But I think the confidence plays out, and I think that's what we see out of the Hawks. So nothing to lose here for the Hawks. They were the big underdog coming into the series. They were, in a sense, a pick against New York in that first series. But I think everybody wanted to see New York, at least the league did, Anytime mm-hmm. the the Knicks are relevant in the playoffs. So I, I, I'm not really sure where to go here. I think I'd like the prop discussion where we were looking at which angles to go at better than the side, because I think the side is – yeah, if Embiid is going to be able to get his touches and continue to dominate in the paint and really dominate at the free-throw line where he's living, he shot 31 free-throws through the first two games of the series – does he get that visiting whistle now in Atlanta? Does Atlanta make adjustments, which I suspect they would and or they should from McMillan, knowing that you can't let MB just dominate, especially getting your bigs into foul trouble, getting to the free throw line. I'll wait to see. I want to see how the pace of play goes. But as far as the right. confidence factor and and these guys playing loose, I don't think we're going to see a nervous team out of Atlanta. They're going to continue to play and share the ball the way that they've done throughout the Knicks series and the first two games in the series against the Sixers.
5: You know, James, looking at uh, the Hawks, too, uh, they're 5-2 through the playoffs right now. Uh, Young has led the way in terms of scoring, except for Gallinari, uh, recently when they lost to Philly. So uh, we talked about this earlier, too, in terms of what Philly could do defensively to kind of neutralize or slow down Young. I mean, I, I would look for Young to go off tonight if he can. Um, but I, I tell you what, do they have any other answers, though, if, if the 76ers are successful uh, in neutralizing Trey Young?
6: I think that's where we would talk about some of the props, like somebody for Bogdanovich is going to be one. He needs to do it game in and game out. He shot the ball much better in the first two games in the Sixer series than he did against New York. Had a lot of open looks against the Knicks. Didn't knock a lot of them down. Really struggled, but that didn't impact his confidence because right. they came out in particular game one really knocking down shots. Bogdanovich is one, but he really lives on the outside. I'd rather go with somebody like Collins. And I think for Collins to step up tonight, he's, he's not just a perimeter player. He will get. He can attack the offensive glass, so he can get some putbacks from offensive rebounds, as well as can take the ball and and not only the mid-range game, but get to the rim as well. And I think that's what Philly has to be conscious of. Not so much Collins. It's going to be Trey Young off the, rolling off those ball screens and getting into the middle of the floor, getting down inside that free throw line or that foul line extended off those elbows, where we see him do some lobs, those teardrops, or those floaters that he likes to throw up mm-hmm. there too. So I think there's going to be opportunities for somebody like Collins with his game in here sitting at 14 and a half points here. I think Collins is going to be able to exceed that. I think he's going to get opportunities not only through the flow of the offense, but also secondary shots going to hit in the glass.
5: Okay. Then we got Denver out there, your area, your way, uh, minus two uh, twenty-three. the total. Uh, Talking about this game, too, earlier, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be key. Uh, Curious about his back and how he responds mentally. Uh, And then also the psyche of the Nuggets. I mean, uh, they have a lot of fouls, James. Uh, And yet Chris Paul hasn't hit the floor uh, with a hurt shoulder. Uh, Come on. I mean, if the Nuggets have anything left, a minus two at home, maybe a chance to back the Nuggets tonight.
6: Not only on the offensive side, you talk about yeah, you got some fouls to give. Go ahead and use them, and and you can bang on him, bang him on the defensive end, run him through screens. Whether he, whoever he's guarding, whether you're running off-ball screens or put him into ball screens, and whoever he's guarding, let him be a screener. Not because it's you're trying to have guard v screen v guard, but yeah, to your point, absolutely, he's got a banged up shoulder. You've seen him tweak it a few times. Not only the Lakers series, also in Game One, kind of was favoring that shoulder. You know he's injured. It's not just paying through pain. Paul's a gamer. He's a, he's a veteran and he's a leader of the. He is clearly the leader of this team. So he's going to play through it. But yeah, that does hamper you. So to your point, I absolutely agree. You should be more physical with them on both ends of the floor. So mm-hmm. let's see if they run them in any kind of ball screens here. I, I think for the Nuggets, it's I can find some one and a halfs. We talked about just laying the dollar twenty as far as the juice is concerned. If you like the Nuggets, and I do. I think this is the game where they will respond back. There are you know they get challenged. They challenge each other in the locker room. Coaches. Been challenging. He's done it a few times. Not only the, he's done it in this series. He did it in the last series against Portland too, when they really kind of let the foot off the gas in that Game Four contest, where they didn't show up to play, especially on the defensive side. I, I, I do. I, I think Denver responds tonight. They it's forget the whole the cliche backs against the wall. That their competitive pride was challenged. It was mm-hmm. challenged internally. Forget about what the Suns have been doing. It's not about the the X's and O's and the adjustments in the map. They got to adjust their mindset. And I think there's enough leadership on that team, starting with the Joker. He's not going to be the rah-rah guy. The one thing I, I – I, I love Joker, but I don't want to see any more of this. And he's going to continue just to, con- to, to plead and cry to the officials. Play through contact, big fella, and get out there and dominate this th- this game that way you're fully capable of and get – Aiton into foul trouble. Use your shot fakes. Be crafty down there with your footwork. I think he's capable of doing it. I think we see a big game. out of Joker tonight. I think we see a high level of intensity on the defensive side of the floor for the Nuggets tonight, and I think that's where it starts, and that's where it ends for them to get back into the series. they got to win this game, not offensively. It's got to start on the defensive side. Who does that limit? It limits Porter Jr. His point total was, what, 18 and a half, mm-hmm. I think we talked about? Yep. I don't think he gets those touches. His psyche is not one that I trust because because he doesn't play defense. He's completely unaware of where he's supposed to be on the floor. No defensive instincts whatsoever. Drives coach Michael below crazy. Uh-huh. Maybe there'll be a limit of minutes because it's not the offense right now. That's the struggle between the ears and the confidence. It's on the defensive side when you're talking about effort Pritch. It needs to start there for the Denver Nuggets may not see. We may see more veteran play coming out of Millsap tonight right. coming off that bench as well as Barton going to give him some tough minutes. Toughest minded player that we saw in game two. I think that carries over into game three. I like the like it's laying a $1.20 money line to win the game outright.
5: How about the energy in the building, James? Uh, I hear that it's going to be a packed house.
6: It will be. It'll be full capacity. They'll have more
5: capacity. It'll be
6: 100% capacity, I believe, outside of by the benches. So 100% of what's out there, Mm -hmm. it will be full house, rocking house. It's Friday night out here in the Mile High City. It's a later start. Uh, Tailgating has already started, whether it's outside the the arena or the the other adjacent watering holes. It'll be on tonight down there at at the new ball arena or the can, whatever we used to call it back in
5: the day. Yeah, they get after it out there. How about Major League Baseball? Uh, I believe you have a play out there, uh, Blue Jays and Red Sox. What are you looking at?
6: One play I was looking at with the Blue Jays' first five. It was laying $1.05. Uh, now it's juiced up to $1.15. I still recommend it here. With the Blue Jays, this is more of a – it's one of those redemption spots for Ross Stripling. Ross Stripling is usually somebody that I'll fade and go against. I've done that a few times this year. Also have backed them the last couple times. And really what it was, the last time they played the Red Sox, a few, about three-plus three weeks ago, he got shelled by the Red Sox. Didn't make it out of the fourth inning. Got tagged pretty good. But what they noticed, they worked on uh, – had a mechanical delivery where he was tipping his pitches to the hitters since then his following three starts since they made that correction to his to his mechanics when it was tipping off those pitches he's gone 17 innings in those three starts just two earned runs I think this is a redemption spot for Stripling to go back there I don't like the Blue Jays bullpen so I'm not going to back him for the full game but first five here with the Blue Jays and Stripling being able to resurrect what happened to him the last time he faced the Red Sox when they felt like they knew what was coming as far as the pitches were concerned. Concerned. Nothing that they were doing on their end that they, uh-huh. that's not justifiable. Right. It was on Stripling tipping his pitches. They fixed it. He's pitched better. I like the spot here for the Blue Jays, laying a dollar five. Now it's up to a dollar fifteen for the first five in this game.
5: All right. Sounds like it's going to be a festive weekend out there in Denver, Colorado, James.
6: A lot of fun, French. Hey, man, take
5: care out there in Las Vegas. Have some fun. Good luck with your bets and stay safe. Absolutely. You do the same, partner. Stay safe uh, and good luck with your bets as well. They'll do it for us, uh, at least for me this week. Uh, James Lane is going to be on betting across America this weekend. My guys in the desert coming up next right here on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
1: With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level.